Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Preview. This is Behind the Steel Curtain Editor. <laughs> this is going to take me forever to get this right. Behind the Steel Curtain Editor, Dave Schofield, coming at you this week with, um, I, I'd like to say it's the triumphant trio, but th- that just doesn't work. That was what how it worked with the with the show with, with Jeff as the host and everything. We've got to come up with something different, guys. So uh, I'm just going to throw it right now to Brian Anthony Davis, our, I guess, what is it, the podcast? I can't get it right. Podcast director, podcast manager. I can't well, remember. Originally, I was hoping it would be podcast conquistador, but that was just uh, a little too bilingual <laughs> and it was a little confusing. So uh, we went with podcast director, but uh, you could just call me bad. Just, just call you bad podcast director. I, I, I can never remember because I, I was going to say, um, oh, we had several other ones that were just fantastic. Um, you know, it was guru was one. I can't remember what all guru. the possibilities were in yeah, the podcast guru, the podcast extraordinaire, um, the podcast Excelsior. No, I, we can't go that far. <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to have to be figuring this out. This is going to be a little bit different. This is our, our first Brian and my first preview, uh, with, without our former editor, Jeff, we love Jeff. We miss Jeff. We wish Jeff the best, but we are even more excited to bring in, sorry, Jeff, we're more excited <laughs> to bring in the Behind the Steel Curtain new deputy editor, the new deputy Dave, but I guess that it can't be deputy Mike. I don't know. We'll figure out something. Michael Beck, coming coming at us from the West Coast. How are you doing this evening? Oh, or maybe I should great. say this morning. <laughs> it's not that, not quite that early, but uh, a lot of pressure. Uh, oh, gosh. I'm doing good, though. But uh, yeah, excited to be on here. First time, the three of us, so Hopefully, it, uh, hopefully we can keep the ball rolling. Yeah, this is some kind of trifecta. I don't know. The, um, you know what? The live chat will figure it out. They'll they'll tell us what it's going to be after the it's all said crown. and done. But the triple crown. There we go. The That's triple crown, so, baby. Yeah, but we've we've got to get we've got to get uh, Michael with a with a nickname, whether it's with Michael or Mike. We'll figure out something. But. More importantly, let's talk Steelers. That's what we're ultimately here to do. And we had some news that came out today. It was somewhat expected, but we didn't know for sure exactly what it was going to be. And that is that as of tomorrow, at least the coaching staff of the Steelers will be allowed to, to hold their meetings and go meet at the facility. That's some people might say, oh, it's just the coaches. What's the big deal? Well, until you, before you can get players back, you got to get the coaches there. It's a step in the process. So, Brian, what what's your thought on, on the news of, you know, the new coaches being able to come in finally and really, really get to dive into stuff? What what are your thoughts on, on this? I guess, I don't know if it's breaking news or just development there we go i like development yes so you know here's here's the thing <laughs> this is what i'm thinking here and lance and i had the conversation yesterday about an empty heinz field if that's the possibility i still don't think that's going to happen but if you have less fans or you have no fans it's going to come down to one thing it's going to come down to three things it's going to come down to talent coaching and preparation so getting these guys in starts with the coaching, and the preparation. So it's two out of those big three. So that's what you really need to look at. Um, we've heard so much about uh, O Canada, Matt Canada, and I'm not talking about Michael Beck's homeland. I'm uh, 
I'm talking about the uh, the other maple leaf, even though he's an American maple leaf. But uh, with a name, you, you've got to go with it. That's why Michael's a fan. I mean, you, you know, he's loving Matt Canada just for that reason alone. <laughs> um, if he was Matt South America, I mean, it would be a different story. But so what we're talking about here is just the fact that they need a cohesion. And one of the main things that we've talked about all along with uh, last year when Mike Munchak was gone, how much he also contributed to the running game and how much he contributed because he was a lot of the run game coordinator as well. Um, even though he was not a running backs coach, he was the offensive line coach. So you get these guys in in there now to gel, to start uh, mixing up the stew, you know? They're, they're putting the ingredients in and it's getting all together. They need to be on the same page before the players get in there and they get started. Game plan, game plan, game plan. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It, it, it's starting the whole process. Michael, what what do you think about the coaches getting in there? How important is this? Oh, it's exce- well, it's the next step. So it, it, it's it's completely just a huge step in the right direction. Um, like, like your point, uh, Brian, with the uh, offensive coordinator, uh, specifically Matt Canada. I think uh, offense coordinator, my mistake, that, uh, that's a little preemptive, but uh, I think he, <laughs> he will, uh, I, I think obviously most of us are kind of in some sort of uh, agreement that he's going to bring some sort of staple to this offense. Like he will add some sort of creativity. You'll see that in the motions and whatnot, but having them all kind of together and interacting in person can only uh, really help uh, creation of those playbooks and making sure everyone's on the same page. So I, I I'm just excited that it's a step in the right direction and uh, it's just one little thing closer to football. And that's all we can really ask for. Exactly. We we're give it's it's a process. It's a process and it's one step at a time and we got to get, you know, as fans looking at, you know, how the Steelers are going and how they're building and everything else. uh, What's it's gotta be, it's gotta start somewhere. So, with not with not having the OTAs and with the adjustments that are going to happen because that they're already having, well, meaning on field OTAs, they're having their virtual OTAs. But with all these differences, it's going to be even more important for the coaches to come up with their game plans and with their systems and getting everything all lined up. So that's a big step that they're they're going to be able to start doing that, and they're going to have to really start putting in. Probably some extra work and some extra hours. Before we move on, we got to bring this up. Uh, we've we've got a super chat already, and um, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to click it or Brian. <laughs> Probably both <laughs> clicking at the same time. <laughs> from from our long long time contributor here, Shield ninety one puts five dollars in the tip jar. Thank you very much. That says not to interrupt the show, but welcome, Michael. Glad to have a new face to talk Steelers with. Uh, that's what we're all saying. We're really glad to have Michael on on uh, on board. And then but we got to answer another question here before we really dive into more of the topic of the show. And that is, they're asking in the live chat, what jerseys are we sporting? I, I'm upset. I was going to throw a jersey on, but it was very warm in my house. So I'm like, ah, I better not do it. So I'm just wearing just, just the plain black. But Brian... Which 34? So, you know, uh, a lot of people were asking about this. Um, If I could have had it at the time, and if I could have gotten one, it would be Veron Haynes, but it is not. 
and it is not Menden Hall, um, even though uh, Wes called it called the name something different. Um, but and it is uh, not Terrell Edmonds. It is one D Williams, D'Angelo Williams. So uh, breaking out the thirty-four, I was just about to put it in the alumni box under the bed and out of rotation, but I figured one last time, let's go ahead. Where my D Williams? There you go. And Michael, I'm I'm pretty certain he is sporting his um, Dante Moncrief jersey. Is that I, I was just gonna going say. I was gonna say. <laughs> I thought it was my uh, Dante Concrete, but uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> my my mom uh, hooked me up with a little early uh, birthday present there, and uh, obviously the guy who's just from down the road, someone trained with before. I don't know. It, it was a little exciting. Get the, the new uh, Chase Claypool coming in fresh, uh, fresh off the printing presses. I think they're just starting to ship them out now. So I. Just excited to have another one of the collection. Well, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Um, we know we know uh, Dave and Spirit is wearing the ninety-seven. We know that. Yeah, that's what I was going to have on. I was going to have the Color Rush ninety-seven, but for some reason we had some thunderstorms roll through here earlier. My wife's like, "It's too cold. I'm turning up the I'm turning up the the air conditioning, and now it's absolutely roasting in my house." <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, so we. That, so I'm like, ah, I don't want to sit here and just sweat in front of the screen with everyone more than normal. So I thought I, I'd just better do that. Yeah, we've got – that was another one. Justin Hunter was, was another number 11 we could throw out there. Marcus um, Wheaton. It's, it is interesting about the Ooh. whole thing with, with – yeah, Marcus Wheaton. That's another good one. Um, I was going to throw it out there about the whole thing of, you know, Claypool didn't go with the 83. Was that the better Roethlisberger influence? I'm completely over that. I still think it has to do with all their main guy receivers are all jerseys that start with one. They're all in the teens. They're all, you know, 10 to 19. So if that's what they're going to do, you, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to be 12, you know, go with the 11. I understand. Just kind of make it that little club that they're doing. So uh, that's interesting, but let's go ahead and dive into, to, uh, you know, we've got a couple things. We are going to get back to, to previewing players. We'll talk about uh, Kevin Dotson a little bit later in the show, but, when we talked about the coaches coming back to the facility, the other thing that comes along with that is training camp. And the news this week that the NFL has has told teams that they want to keep everything in their own facility so they're not having to, to take the precautions and the equipment that they're going to need to do in order to make everything safe for the, for the players and the staff and everything because of uh, dealing with uh, COVID-19, that – that means that the Steelers will not be going to Latrobe to St. Vincent College for the first time in 54 years. Now, we talked about it some on Stat Geek and some other shows. We've we've brought it up because it was news. What we were going to ask about is we know how this affects the fans because Latrobe, although I've said I've never been, uh, I know Brian's been. We were supposed to go last last year. Um I don't know that Michael could join us if it would have been there this year anyway. So that would have been a little bit different. Um, now that would, I mean, if you think getting Lance Williams is here, at least, you know, Lance doesn't need a passport. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, he, he's a passport. Um, it's a ferry ride. And then a, like he has to get on the Concord and then, uh, then catch a Pegasus horse. There is uh, not mean, one direct flight from Vancouver to Pittsburgh. I had to go to Toronto and then down to Pittsburgh. So that's, that's, that's a commitment to get to a game. You're, you're not too yeah. far off. So, uh, but 
how is this going to? We know how it's going to do with the fans, and if they can't have fans in Latrobe, then it doesn't. Then it wouldn't have really mattered anyway. It would have been tough to keep the fans away. I really feel bad for those businesses that really benefit from the Steelers being there. You know, a lot of those local businesses and places that when that this is a lot of people that come into town because of this and that that's, who's going to be hurting this year more than anything, but it, it wasn't the Steelers choice. Art Rooney, the second has already said that the plan is they're right back there next year. But when it comes to this season, how is this going to affect the players? I mean, cause they're not going to be going away and just with the team during that time and basically completely immersed in this, in everything with the Steelers, as much they, I haven't heard if they're going to still like maybe stay in a ho- hotels or if they'll just be com- coming from their homes every day or how they'll be doing with this. How is this? Is this going to be more beneficial to the players? Is this going to hurt their preparation or is it not really going to affect it very much? We're going to start with Michael on this one. You know, I think it's going to kind of go on depending on who the player is and kind of what their personality type kind of reflects. Um, There's going to be guys that just kind of need that structure of being away at camp. That's something that they kind of – in university, the players are there before classes even start when training camp first gets underway, and it's only the team. In high school, it's only the team. And then for the most part in the NFL, uh, I think 22 other teams just do it at their home facilities anyway, Uh, but then they're just kind of interacting – just doing their regular day-to-day when you're going away to camp it's complete focus 100 on football 100 of the time so i think for some of those players that kind of need that structure it'll kind of hurt them but being close to home being with your families that's i mean obviously for some of us who've gotten some of that extra time at home because of obviously the pandemic keeping us away it's it's nice to be with with the loved ones but uh i think it'll be a little bit of give and take maybe the younger players might kind of suffer a little bit from not having the full attention on football. Maybe the older players will just enjoy being able to be home with the, with the wife and kids. Brian, what do you think? I don't think it matters. And in fact, I think it's going to benefit the Steelers not to be there as much. Michael, I definitely respect and I uh, understand what you're saying about the, the uh, players that need the structure of it. But the problem with that is the players that need the structure are not going to make the team probably because they might not have the discipline to make the team as much. Um, You know, you get to a point where, of course, this is a business. But I think the players, and especially the veteran players, are going to uh, love the fact that they could be closer to home. They're not trapped. And when I say trapped, I'm going to say absolutely trapped in a cramped dorm room. They are, I mean, this is like freshman year of college. They are in a cramped dorm room. I mean, they do not have, uh, it's not luxury there. Now, I like Dave said, I definitely feel bad for the uh, the uh, businesses in Latrobe. Um, they rely on it. This is uh, this is their silly season. This is, this is the great time for them. But I also, uh, and I feel bad for the fans because it, this is a chance to gather. But as far as the players, this is... Uh, there's less distractions because this is business. Now you might have the, the uh, distractions of being at home or like Dave said, there's a possibility they might stay in a hotel, which you would almost think that they might do that. And so those younger players would have that structure if they went ahead. Cause you know what? It's kind of like the night before a game, the night before the game, they're pretty much, even if it's in Pittsburgh, they're in a hotel anyway. 
if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So, I mean, they'll figure that out. But uh, I I think if, if you're a player on the Pittsburgh Steelers or any team that uh, if you don't have to go away for that many weeks, you're probably saying, woohoo. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that a lot of the a lot of the players, you know, you miss the family. You want to get back to, to to that. But at the same time, you're completely immersed with your team and with football. So it's it's going it's it's give or take. It could make it it could make it could make you lose some maybe hyper focused you know, maybe team camaraderie stuff, but at the same time, you're not going to be miserable and being away from your family and things of that nature. So it's, it's, there's pros and cons both ways of how it's going to work out. Uh, I know today uh, in an interview, Steven Nelson says he's not sure that it's going to make much of a difference being at the facility uh, versus being there. It's, but with everything going on, uh, with how everything's been structured because of the pandemic, it seems to me like this will be one of those those instances that it's going to be different, but everything's kind of going to be a little bit different anyway with the whole process with this season. So it, it's not like, oh, we're away from the routine. Everything about it's going to be a different routine. So life's been a different routine for the last couple months. So I don't know that it's going to be really good, bad, or, or the other. So uh, anything else either you want to say about the subject? Nah, you know, Dave, it's it's one of those things. That there's so many changes this year in every walk of life. Everybody has made changes to something. Um, you would love to have them have the cohesiveness of being at camp, but there are those some players that like Mr. Third and Fifth, Mr. Uh, uh, Gummy Richards in the past, you know, he wouldn't stay there with those guys. He wasn't bonding with those guys. And if you watch Hard Knocks like I do religiously every year, um, a lot of those players, you see a lot of them um, and their families at home, too. They have an opportunity to be at home. So uh, it, it doesn't really change that much. It's uh, when you're a veteran fighting for a job, it doesn't matter where you're practicing, where you're um, where you're going to be you're focused on the business that's the same for a rookie that is hungry coming in and if you're disciplined you're going to come in and you're going to do well no matter where you are if i would add yeah, anything to that is uh how in the world does steelers not end up on hard knocks ever <laughs> especially this year i thought that was guaranteed <laughs> but uh apparently uh both la teams having a new stadium is uh more interesting. I just think uh, the Rooneys are a little it, more influential than anyone else and kind of get their way more often well, the, than not. If I could jump in on that, COVID changed all that because LA really, w uh, the Rams were not eligible. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, uh, they made them eligible because of the situation. They had to change it. They were not one of the five finalists because they're, um, the next closest to Pittsburgh was probably going to be the Arizona Cardinals as far as being interesting. Then you had, the Redskins, the Bears, and the Detroit Lions. Those were the five teams eligible this year. Um, so that's why. And hopefully Are you next sure year. About the Redskins? Because oh, no. I'm sorry. Coach. Not the Redskins because they have a new coach. Um, so I, I, I am missing a team there. So um, Broncos, the Broncos, excuse me. Um, 
It was okay, Denver now, and not the Redskins. When, when it comes to this, with if we're going to bring up the whole things with Hard Knocks, who's to say that Hard Knocks is even going to happen this year? And when they and when they announced, they didn't announce it. It was leaked. There's not been a formal announcement about anything, but when they announced those two, I still said announced. Um, when when it was reported those two teams were going to be featured, that was kind of a smart move. But neither of them were were eligible. So when they say eligible, it means that they pretty much have to do it. But even if you're not eligible, you could volunteer. And the point I was making leading up to it is like, it's not going to be the Steelers. It's not going to be the Steelers because they've never had a team that had to play five preseason games and be a part of the Hall of Fame game and be on hard knocks in the same season. And the reason this is a big deal is because these are things that not all teams want to do. Not all teams want to play five preseason games. Not all teams want to be on hard knocks. So it would be really difficult to ask a team that to do two things in the same offseason that you're not wanting things that the teams don't want to do. It's like it would almost be a the NFL really has it out for us. As soon as the Steelers were announced in the Hall of Fame game, I felt they had a legitimate reason to say we shouldn't have to be on hard knocks. And there it was. Yeah, and we talked about this before, Dave, but HBO and the NFL, they don't care. The Steelers did not want to be on it. But if you have if I'm an executive of the NFL where I'm an executive of HBO, I'm like, yeah, you get me Pittsburgh because their eligibility is not going to come around again and they're never going to volunteer for it. Yeah. So I mean, you would really would have loved to have had on that. Um you would have thought that uh, they were not, they probably weren't going to be on it last year because they were in the playoffs uh, two years ago. But uh, last year would have, if they were, uh, like, we keep on throwing out that word eligible. If they had eligibility for it, they would have been picked last year, probably, um, you know, right away over the Raiders. One of the reasons the Raiders were on, were there is because Antonio Brown was going to be on that team. And that was more exciting to go ahead and throw them in, throwing in the fact that Gruden's there as well, and they might be good viewing. But it's all moot because it's not going to happen. But I, you know, I don't care what the Steelers want. If I'm an executive, I'm like, yeah, no, you're going in. Yeah, Michael, anything you want to say about that? Oh no, I would completely agree. Like. You think about the organization and the people involved, like, of course, these are the guys you want to hear from. It would be like top quality TV. I think Hard Knocks would probably get some of the highest ratings it's ever seen. Like, I'm someone who watches it after the fact, um, just because not having HBO, but uh, um, it's something I would like scratch and claw to see when it came out that that's just obviously being a Steelers fan, but I think that's some quality TV right there. But another reason I think of course the team would not want to do it is just Mike Tomlin, not really wanting to be on camera that much. Like we've known in the past him to be uh, someone who doesn't love doing the media stuff as honestly, most coaches probably don't, but uh, exponentially um, he wouldn't, he has come out and said that it's not his thing. So I'm not surprised uh, that the Steelers organization really kind of does whatever it takes to avoid it in a year like this when they are uh, have that forced eligibility. But uh, I would love to see it happen. But if it never does, I can understand it, and I'm I'm okay with the team uh, avoiding the distraction. 
Yeah, it's it is a distraction. It is just one of those things. Uh, I think the Steelers, you know, have a lot of pull. They don't want to do it. I don't blame them. I've never seen an episode. I don't want to see them on there. Uh, training camp's going to be different enough as is. So that's it. And that's really all. I I, I don't even want to think about hard knocks, but mm. nothing nothing's been announced officially. But I don't know that they can because with everything going on. But with that said, we were doing a series where we were counting down the draft picks that the Steelers made and just kind of previewing them a little bit and talking about them for the upcoming season. And we were doing it different because on my Stat Geek show that I do with my brother, Rich, that we were going in order. So we decided on the preview that we were going to count down. Well, then we had to throw in our extra one show when that was the special schedule release show we got where it was going to be the same player during the same week. So then we kind of got off a little bit here. We've already done Anthony McFarland, but we, we haven't given any time to the Steelers other fourth round pick Kevin Dotson. So let's transition into that. And let's talk about that. Now that we're seeing that we're, we're, we're hopefully moving forward. We're seeing coaches going back to facilities, hopefully, you know, the plan is that everything will be lined up for all the facilities to be able to begin training camp on time, which will be very important for these rookies since they didn't have their rookie mini camp. What do, what do we think about this pick with Kevin Dotson? Do, do we think with everything going on, you know, some felt maybe he could fight for that starting position. I don't know if that's something he could get right off the bat at this point because of the, the lack of um, in-person practice time, I guess I would say with the coaches, but, uh, what, let, let's start with Brian this time. What, what was your thoughts on the pick of, of Dotson, you know, at the time, what you've learned since, and where do you see him this year and in the future? I love it more and more each day. I loved it then though. And you know, cause we were on the show, we were, uh, we were on the show together watching this pick happen. We're like, that is a great value pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now a lot of people said, no, he was picked too early. But I I have a lot, I have a big problem with anybody saying that a guy was picked too early because those teams know what the other teams, who the other teams are interested in as well. They wanted to shore up the offensive line. They wanted to bring somebody in that was big and nasty and could be a future star for this team. And they found a guy. In a, I call him blue collar because, you know, he's coming from Louisiana Lafayette. He's just a big man that they showed video and we saw it on draft day right after he was drafted. He was pulling a truck with his body. He was a human <laughs> tow truck. I mean, that's a great nickname for this guy, the tow truck. He's huge and he's just going to, he's going to carry guys. So he'd be perfect to be the tow truck. I love big number 69. I don't know if he keeps that number. He'll probably change it after camp. That seems to happen happen a lot. But this guy will be a player that they can count on in the future. Do you want to see this guy starting in 2020? No, you don't. You want to see him get some reps. You want to see him in some games. You don't want to see him in a sweatshirt um, every single, like not on the 53. You want to see him on the fifty-three, but you don't want to. You don't want to see him ineligible every game, as uh, as not giving him a hat that day. But you want to see this guy getting a chance to learn the offense 
and maybe come in next year and get ready to start. Because if you see him this year, that means something went wrong. One, somebody got injured. Or two, either Chooks, Filer, or Wisniewski wet the bed. And you don't want that to happen. You want those guys to be good, the investments you had in those guys, and you want this guy to simmer in season and bring him in when he's ready. And I think a red shirt year for Kevin Dotson will be perfect because you have guys, he doesn't have to start. He probably could, but you have guys ahead of him that are ready to go. Yeah, you know, I think he's an absolute road grader. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going (laughs) to say very good points, Brian. And Michael, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. Well, I hate hate to completely agree with uh, Brian, but uh, I I do. Like, I think this year in particular, even if it was a regular year, I think it's important to get that uh, those veteran guys uh, going this year, especially when you're bringing in a guy like Wisniewski. Uh, And honestly, I've been on on team keep filer at tackle pretty much. Pretty much since the start of the uh, of the off season here, um, and I, I like what he did at guard, but I still I think he he's been one of the more underrated tackles. Um, I think Do- uh, Dotson is someone who should absolutely uh, Dotson Dotson. I keep saying that I don't know why, but I think he's absolutely someone that uh, could be extremely uh, effective uh, moving into the future. Uh, some. Offensive line time, uh, just working with those coaches, I, I think he could uh, he could really be someone who's a staple on that offensive line for a decade. Um, but uh, I, I think he's still, especially with what's everything's going on with all these rookies, you kind of just got to slow play it, throwing them to the wolves, and just having them torn apart on social media. And just we know how the how a lot of fans will interact. We, we see some of those comments. That's going to weigh on someone, even though they have like extremely limited time on the field. So I think to just kind of avoid shooting someone's confidence completely, completely down. Uh, I think just giving them the opportunity to sit back and learn and rely on the people that you paid big money, uh, veterans, big money to. Um, I think it's probably just the best decision you could make is by giving this guy an extra year just to develop. And if, uh, if he needs to come in, well, maybe sitting an extra eight weeks would do him some good and he could t- take over for the last eight games. But uh, I guess we'll just have to sit back and see on that. But uh, best case scenario, I think I think he uh, sits the year and uh, just absolutely explodes the year after. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the consensus we're getting here. Before we move on, I wanted to throw it up there that uh, we did get – um, another super chat. It was two ninety nine into the in the tip jar from just a fan. Didn't see where there was a comment with it. Um, so if not, you can just throw in a comment later, and I'll I'll double check to make sure that that, that, that we could catch that one. So what when it comes to Dotson with me? Well, first of all, I want to say is that I am on the in the camp of you play filer where you need to play filer. Because that's what you, that's the decision the Steelers made with him two years ago. Because Filer wasn't a tackle, Filer was a guard, and they played him a tackle because they wanted to put the best player that they had out there when Marcus Gilbert went down. So they went with Filer because he was the best of what they had. Does it mean that he's a better tackle than a guard? No. Does it mean that he's a better guard than a tackle because that's where he started? No. 
but it's not like you're moving him to guard. My important thing is that you would be moving him back to guard. I am in the camp of play him where you, where you need him. You're not just having, you know, Wisniewski versus Dotson or Filer versus Chooks versus Banner. You're, you've got all of it because you have the versatility to put Filer wherever he can be. Now, or, I'm sorry, wherever you need him to be. Because if out of everyone, it emerges that, I don't know, let's say it is Kevin Dotson that is by far your best lineman that you can't keep off the field, then you've got Filer at tackle. If the if out of everyone that you're like, man, oh man, we need, you know, we need Zach Banner out there more than just as the tight end. You know, he needs to be the right tackle. Then Filer's a guard. It, you're, you give the chance for someone... Uh, to step up because, and it's funny, I keep saying Filer this because I felt that he was the Steelers' best offensive lineman last year. So I don't really have any kind of doubt that he's going to be one of your top guys anyway. Now, when it comes to Dotson, this is what I'm going to ask Brian because we kind of talked about this last year a lot when, when Brian's guy that they drafted, the Steelers drafted in 2019, Brian called the pick, made the pick love the pick is when the Steelers with their third selection it was their second one of the third round drafted Justin Lane and we went on the show and afterwards we said the best thing for Justin Lane is for him to not have to play this year and he didn't have to play a single defensive snap is this a very similar situation with Dotson that you don't want to be forced to play him but the only way that he's going to see the field is he's just tearing it up so much you you need him out there because because of him and because of what he's doing. Is that kind of what we're looking at this year, Brian? Absolutely. Because here, if you look at the other Steeler draft picks, uh, number one, um, the number two draft pick, but number one being Chase Claypool, he's going to see time because there's multiple opportunities for receivers every single game. If you are the fifth receiver, you still have an opportunity to make an impact and play every single game possibly. If you're given a hat, you have an opportunity to get in there. Um, McFarland is another guy this year that will get an opportunity. If they want to throw him in to see what he can do, they're going to throw him in. You're not going to throw in Kevin Dotson to see what he can do because he's untested and you don't mess with an offensive line. Because if you're messing with an offensive line and you're tinkering, then you it's that one bad play that could kill your quarterback. And you have, I, I don't want to call yeah. him a fragile quarterback, but after last year, you want to, even though I believe the elbow was a pre-existing condition, but you just don't want to get him killed and have that extra hit and let him have time to simmer and season. And that's the same thing that happened with Justin Lane. We got to see Justin Lane only on uh, you know kickoffs and punt returns. That's when you got to see him. Got to see him in preseason. Hope to see him in preseason this year, and you'll see him peppered in a little bit more this year, like Dotson would be peppered in a little bit more next year. But if you go into a season saying, we got to draft a rookie lineman and start a rookie lineman, even if he's a number one pick, that's not ideal because that means that you've got a huge hole on your line. So that's what I'm yes. saying there. I mean, I, I think that's a great comparison. I wasn't even thinking about the Justin Lane thing, but but that's where we're going. I mean, you're we talk about depth on this team and depth being a problem. And a lot of teams have the depth problem. But when you're looking at that one particular 
another problem. That's what these rookies you're hoping will emerge into being your depth piece. And right now he is your depth piece. He's an untested depth piece and he will get his, his seasoning on uh, Mondays through Saturdays or whenever they don't play that. Yeah. Week. You, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> he'll, he'll season yeah. that. It, it, exactly. And something not, I'm trying to remember, cause I was, I was going to have a specific question uh, for Michael, because what's interesting is, you know, a lot of people know you can tell by looking at me, I was an offensive lineman. Uh, Michael was an offensive lineman, and, and you can't as tell. Well. And, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. It, I mean, let, I, I would have put you as a linebacker. I definitely would have put you as a linebacker. Hey, but, hey uh, can I jump I, in real I quick on that? He looks like Alan sure. Franica does now after his playing days <laughs> when when he dropped the hundred pounds. You know what? Like, that is a really good comparison. <laughs> that is a really good comparison. Uh. But, but when when it comes to to a player like Dotson, some people are like, oh, should they have taken him where they drafted him? You've got to remember the Steelers were drafted in the fourth round and they didn't have another pick till the sixth round. Mm -hmm. If that's the guy they wanted, I'm glad they grabbed him. And from everything I see, he seems like, like he could be that, that kind of guy. So, so Michael, if you, if you're on, and you'll get a chance to say it, if you're on the same page here with Brian thinking that it's, it's better to not have to see him on the field where he's forced into play before he could possibly be ready um, because someone else is injured. Um, what, what do you see him with his future in Pittsburgh? What, what do you think ultimate, what do you think the ultimate goal is when it comes to him? Oh, geez. When it, the ultimate goal would be to uh, probably just to plug him in a year from now and just let him be that road grader that we've seen in film. He, uh, he is humongous. So I don't know if he, he's necessarily going to be that pulling guard, but he will be that point of attack guard. Um, I know DeCastro is still relatively young. I want to say he's either just, just turned 30 or is about to. Um, yes. uh, and he is that athletic freak side um, that eventually will have to be replaced. But I think when it comes to those kind of motioning, pulling plays um, that you see out of those offense linemen, I think that will mostly come from right to left um, with the Dotson kind of uh, leading the way and uh, DeCastro or whoever's next kind of pulling through those gaps. So I think, I think you'll notice that the power running game is ran to the left side of the field a lot more and the sweeps are heading out right. Um, if you're really paying attention to that, when Dotson's out on the field, that's kind of kind of his specialty is point of attack player. He's not like that athletic freak um, that you necessarily see out of the Steelers guards. It, it has dated back for a while. Like even like you mentioned, Alan Fanica, um, he was one of those guys that could just do it all. Um, Dot, Dotson is a different type of player, and I think he will allow a uh, especially especially the running game for the Steelers to kind of mix it up just a little bit. But uh, even though you kind of know where what direction the players are going, the plays are going rather, you're not going to be able to stop it. Yeah, that's – and, I mean, this is what the Steelers were missing is that is, is more – more focus on the run blocking. You know, the Steelers have been great with the pass blocking and they're, you've got to be the pass blocker. You can't, like Brian said it great already. He's like, it only takes one play or one play or one play and you're going to get someone killed. Look what happened, which believe it or not, I still think kind of derailed the Steelers' chances to get into the playoffs last year. Still don't know how much noise they would have made. 
but Mason Rudolph came back in, in week 16 and brought the Steelers back into a tie. What happens? Marquise Pouncey gets hurt. BJ Finney comes in and the very first play, he steps on, on Rudolph's foot. He Rudolph falls down, tries to get up, gets killed. That was the play that hurt him. Rudolph played a couple more plays after that, but that was the play that knocked him out of that game and, and, and the season. I still think the way he was playing and because the Jets had prepared for Duck, I think they, I think the Steelers win that game against the Jets if Rudolph stays in and completes that game. And that's just an example of, of one thing happened. I mean, it's, it wasn't even a terrible play like a block or anything. It was just, one mi literal misstep that that that's that screwed up something like that. So Brian, that was spot on when you said that about about the one play. Um, just in general, anything either one of you want to throw out more about Dotson here? Tonight? Yeah, I do. I and, I, uh, I love the pick. Yeah, I I love this pick too, and I concur with what you said about the whole Finney situation. Which uh, Steeler fan seventy four brought up the Marquise Pouncey thing that you know we probably need a replacement for him next. But here's the thing: Pouncey goes down from time to time, and Pouncey's getting older. Now this pick, mm -hmm. he this guy could be playing if Pouncey gets hurt because if Pouncey gets hurt, Wisniewski's your new center. And then you have to decide whether you want Filer to move to guard. If if it's Wisniewski starting and Filer starting, um, or if you want Chooks or if you want Dotson at this point. So that's kind of the big decision there. Do you, if that happens and Pouncey goes down, do you uproot another guy? Because you're already uprooting, even though he could play both but you're uprooting your guard, making him a center, then if you're going to go ahead and uproot your tackle and make him a guard at that point, then are you bringing Shooks in or you're just going to leave Filer where he is in this scenario and bring in Dotson and see what he has. But once again, you're risking getting your quarterback you know, uh, hurt. But you know how I feel about Shooks, and everybody thinks I'm wrong because they backed him up because they they like what they've seen in regular season games. They and <laughs> yeah, I am wrong, but um, <laughs> so, but but you know what I'm saying here is you got to see who you value at that point, whether you value Shooks or Dotson at that point, and who you're going to go ahead and throw to the wolves. Uh, if Mike, I could add something. Oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, when it comes to that, too, is when they're dressing guys, t typically the Steelers are uh, sending out uh, or dressing seven offensive linemen, rather one guy who's that interior three. And then uh, there's a tackle. Last year, it was typically Banner who would be the tackle um, uh, just so we could play that uh, that tight end uh, position that he was in and then Finney inside. Now it kind of gets a little interesting and might have to bring up that question. Maybe they should dress eight um, because Chooks, Banner, they will and dress eight. I, I, I think they absolutely should as well. I, it's well, that, well, they have to because with the new rules this year oh. where you can go instead of having 46 players active on game day, you can have 48 players, but the requirement is you must have an eighth offensive lineman dressed. So not okay. only will they do it, they're going to be forced to do it. So some people might not realize that 
with with how it works. So that this is this is good news for for a guy like Dotson. This is part of the reason that that um, he he's gonna. I mean, I, I think he'll be dressed, and who knows? Maybe, maybe they just make sure if he's going to be dressed anyway, and they want to get him some work. Make sure he's on the field goal and extra point team. You know, things like that. Get him out there on some uh, some some lineman duty. On you know, I don't know if he could run downfield and cover a punt. That's a little bit different. <laughs> um, you know, because it's not just about blocking for the punt to make sure they don't do it. You got to get down there and, and cover him. But. I think he's going to be a guy that benefits from that. So, sorry, I just wanted to make sure we 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 got that up. But you can go ahead. No, absolutely no. That's 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 huge for this team. Uh, like before, it was like, who? Someone's getting cut here. It's either Banner, Chooks. You're not going to cut your your fourth round pick. But uh, yeah, no, addressing the eight. Um, that that is massive because you could if you think Chooks is the superior tackle, but he he can't play that swing tackle spot. You can still you can still dress him every single week and have Banner play the swing. Someone goes down, Chooks steps in, uh, and in the interior, uh, I think Wisniewski's just going to be the guy that slides around, uh, depending whether or not he even is the starter. But uh, he'll be the swing player with the potential to start at guard. And then worst case scenario, there's an injury, either Filer's moving over or Dotson. If he's available to step up, he will. But yeah. Having to dress the eight, I think that's huge for for everyone vying for a job because it basically locks them in for making the roster already. Yeah, that's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I think it's once again, I, I think the Steelers have more options there than a lot of other teams. A lot of other teams are asking who's going to start because, oh, man, we're going to be in trouble with no matter who's there. And it seems like the Steelers are going to have so many options that that they can really pick the best ones. Now, this is all assuming that guys step up, because competition is always good. One last thing, just to clarify, last year, yes, they used Banner as, as the extra tight end. It was Banner who was active on game day over Chooks. But part of that was that we found out later is that Chooks was not 100% last season because he was still recovering from a shoulder injury. So they only used him when they had to. So that was part of that reason. There was no reason to put Chooks in that role. Doesn't mean that he can't be that swing tackle. It's a good problem to have if if you're trying to figure out, you know, which one of your linemen are the best. So with that said, we've got to, Brian, we've kind of got to initiate Michael right now. We've got to get him involved in the preview. You know, I mean, we're not going to be doing an after party or anything yet. That's what we really need to initiate, Michael. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm that... still trying to to get my feet underneath me as editor. Um, so I still have lots of work to do and things like that. And that's why um, it will just be the, the one show tonight. But we are going to have to do and an you know what, Dave? sooner than later to get Mike in on that. What's that? Dave, that, that, uh, that red beard might be turning white during the uh, after party because that's gonna i mean <laughs> the, 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 that's gonna that's gonna really uh be an initiation i don't know if he's ever watched an after party but uh you you get us closer to 2 a.m and we're partying <laughs> yeah we're, we're that, if, yeah if, yeah if if you've never caught the after party before michael i'm not sure if you have or not it's basically we talk about football for about a whole 45 seconds and then we really get sometimes get completely off the rails. But what we need to initiate you into tonight is the trivia portion of the show where we just bust out some various um trivia you Brian's the guy that remembers um who was the backup 
left guard in 1981. So that's just kind Tyrone of the, the things that he does. Um, I was going to say, I Whoa. don't have the answer to that one. I just kind of threw it out there. But he might have been a tackle. So I'm always trying <laughs> I'm always trying to find some – see, Brian knows personnel and stuff like that. So I try to find statistics and, and whatnot to try to stump Brian. Jeff was always the guy that just kind of sat back and, you know, I tried to make it something where, where you could at least have a – you could just guess a random thing and, and have a chance. So I'm going to go ahead and get it kicked off. We're not going to ask you to ask a question this week because we want to kind of show you how it works. Um, and just so you know, Jeff, Jeff was generally asking the easy questions. Um, but I don't know. Some, sometimes I would I'd like you know, if I knew Brian wasn't going to be on the show, I'd change my question because I wanted <laughs> Jeff to have a chance. I'm not going to do that with you. I've been doing some research this week. Um, before I was even the deputy editor, I used to do a lot of real in-depth numbers searching up compiling thing pieces. And I wanted to try to get back into that a little bit. So I've been working on something all week that I finally got my data for an article that is going to be coming out maybe tomorrow, if not over the weekend. And it was the question that someone had asked me of how, when it's a general NFL question, and this does affect the Steelers because it's going to talk about the last time they were in the postseason. What's the benefit of resting your player, specifically your quarterback, the last week of the season. Does it really help teams? Now, of course, you know, I the one thing I didn't didn't look up because it's almost impossible to find is how many quarterbacks get knocked out of the postseason because from an injury in week 17. Brian might be able to remember any of those, but that's ultimately what they're trying, what they're trying to, to do with this. But I went back, I went all the way back to 2005 because it was one, it was 15 years and two, it was when the Steelers won the Super Bowl, So that was kind of fun. And three, it took a long time and that was far, far enough back. But I went through when I broke down into different categories, when, when players or, or when a team rested their quarterback, I broke them into two different categories. One is that the, they didn't play at all. And then the other category is that they didn't even, they didn't, they were replaced before halftime. You know, if they played a half, I'm like, Hey, that's a good idea. I'll let it go. Cause I just had to pick something. Not only that, I broke it down into teams that had a buy, like they were the one or two seed or teams that were playing the very next weekend. And what's crazy is, out of all the teams since 2005, there's been six times where a quarterback was completely rested in week 17 and the team had a bye. And, and then they played in the divisional round. So the quarterback had two weeks off. Out of those six games, see, this is an easy one to guess. How many times do you think the team that rested their quarterback won their first game in the playoffs? Ooh, we're gonna go okay. Michael first because he's the new guy. Okay, um, so you got zero to six as your options. <laughs> okay, so how many times did they win? Well, I remember uh, Steelers resting. I believe I believe they actually did this twice um, against Cleveland both years back to back. The year they went to New England in the AFC Championship, so they won that one. So that's one win. They lost to Jacksonville the year after, so that's one one. Um, whew. Uh, okay. Now remember that first year with Pittsburgh. They they weren't a two seed. They were a three seed. So that was oh, not going to right. They play. didn't have the buy. Okay. Is, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 2000, uh, 2009, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, uh, both rested. 
Um, so that's three wins. Um, whoo, I'm, I'm gonna go with those three. I can't, others are gonna go three. Brian, three. I'm gonna go, I'm actually gonna go four. I was flirting with five, but let's go with four. All right. Well, out of out of all these, this was me researching this on my own. This was now it's funny because in 2005, I was like, oh, well, right there's one Peyton Manning. He didn't count in this category because he played the first drive of the game. He's going to be in the next category. So the ones with it, they didn't even dress. They were out there on in, in street clothes. Out of those six games, only twice has the team actually gone on to win. They're when they're at home in the division round after a bye. So it has not been beneficial for this to happen. We know the Steelers lost after resting Ben Week 17 and then lost in the divisional round to Jacksonville. It happened last year. Yeah, Lamar. When the when the Ravens rested Lamar Jackson and then they didn't win a playoff game. So what's crazy, and I think Michael might know the answer to this, the two times it happened was the same team. Only in the last 15 years, it's the only team to have rested their quarterback completely in week 17 and then going to win. Because you thought there was two of them in the same year, and actually that wasn't that wasn't the case. Um, any idea? Oh, well, it's, it's got to be one of those two. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Drew Brees on that one, the Saints. Brian? I'd like the steal. You should agree with him because he's right. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I was you should agree with him because he's right. I know the Colts have done it, but with uh, I, I'm not talking about the year you were talking about with Curtis Painter in like 2009 and uh, when they went on to uh, play the Saints in the Super Bowl. So maybe, uh, maybe Peyton started that game. I don't know, but um, so yeah, let's go with New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, it's it's New Orleans. And what's interesting is when when the Colts did this with Peyton Manning, they did it back in 2007 and in 2005. Both times they played him a series and then pulled him. So he still had to go through the pregame, warm up, and all that other stuff. A lot of these other times, um, like with Ben Roethlisberger or whatnot, they knew he was out. He didn't warm up. He didn't do anything. And it and it honestly does not benefit them. Believe it or not, um, even, even teams – after having a playoff buy, let's say they just rest their quarterback where he doesn't even play a half. They don't even have a winning record in the playoffs. They're four and five. It's crazy. Um, now, when you get into the other stuff with the teams that are playing on wildcard weekend, um, it's they, they don't have that great of a record either. They're five and nine, but a couple of them, two different times, and they're actually the further ones back in 2005, 2007, both two teams were playing each other that rested their quarterback the week before. So obviously they're going to get a win and a loss, but uh, there's some interesting numbers that are going to come out with that. So uh, if, if you're want to know more about it, make sure you check back to the website. Um, like I say, if it's not tomorrow, hopefully I can get that written up tonight. If not, it's going to be over the weekend. So Brian, do you got any trivia? Yeah. My brain really hurts from that last one. Let's see if I can get this out. Um, so this is a player, a famed player from the seventies that he had a part of his nickname altered. And the reason he had a part of his nickname altered because the backup quarterback on that team made up a rumor that this player was going to be traded along with that said backup quarterback. And I'll tell you who the backup quarterback was. It was Terry Hanratty. Made up a rumor 
that this player was getting traded to the Los Angeles Rams. What was the nickname and who was this player? Ooh, oh, that is, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of that's, nicknames. That's a hard one. So, so someone who already had a nickname. He already had a nickname and they added something yeah. onto the nickname. Um, okay. I'll, I'll throw, I'll just throw one out there. Was it uh, Dwight Mad Dog White? You're close, but it was not Mad Dog. It wasn't Mad Dog. Um, let's see. Like, I don't think, I don't think Mean Joe. I don't think that one would make sense at all. Um, are are we talking a starter? Yes. Are we talking on defense? Yes. Hmm. So a starter on the seventies defense with a with a with with a nickname. I I can't I can't really think of anyone else off that. I mean, I I don't think it's. I'll just throw it out there. Um, I'm. I don't think it would be the torpedo. I don't think it would be shell. But I can't think of anyone else right now. He was originally called Bags because of his handbags. It was L.C. Greenwood, and his new nickname became Hollywood Bags because there was a rumor that he was being traded to the Los <laughs> Angeles Rams. A lot of people wanted to know what L.C. stood for. It was actually L.C. was his first name. He would tell people that he it stood for Lover Cool. So he was the original LL Cool <laughs> J, Ladies Love Cool James, Lover Cool Greenwood. Um, so Hollywood Bags, that's, uh, that's, that's who we one. got there. Yeah. So uh apart, you know, Jeff I forgot about that nickname. About this, this uh the uh life's work stealer book, and I've been reading it here and there, and I got that out of it. You're some great tidbits, so I absolutely love it. Um, and I've been writing some down, so uh we're gonna have some cool 70s uh 70s uh trivia. Uh, hey, that's that's good. We'll be bringing it Michael next week. We'll actually hopefully have some time for it. We are right up against the clock here tonight because we just kind of did what we did. We're we're figuring this out, Michael. Any any parting thoughts here um, for your first time on the preview? All right, really quick. I'll I saw a whole bunch of people trying to guess my ethnicity background <laughs> in the chat. Um, I'll, I'll address that quick. Uh, actually, a little Irish. Yes, that's why the beard is red. But I did have uh, <laughs> had a great time tonight. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be uh, doing this uh, weekly with you guys. I'm excited to uh, chat more with the people in the chat. Of course, hanging out with you too is always a pleasure. So uh, yeah, no, just excited. And again, thank you for having me on. Yeah, we're, this is this is great. It's lots of fun. Brian, anything you want to say to send us out? BTSC Nation, I love you. Thanks for being in the live chat. Um, keep on listening. Keep on liking. Keep on telling your friends about it and take care of each other. Exactly. Make sure you're taking care of each other. Make sure you're tuning in. Uh, shout out to Lance Williams. He'll be on tomorrow night with his show. Shout out to Tony Defio. He'll be out. He'll be Saturday with his. Then we'll, we're still rolling with the regular programs. Make sure you like us on Twitter at BT Steel Curtain. I will be tweeting out when when we're when we're going live to to let you know. But as Lance always says, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. We'll see you all next time.